Well, today on the last Sunday of the church's liturgical year, we have before us probably the most dramatic scene in the whole gospel. It's Jesus hanging on the cross. As he hung in agony, most of those around him showed him absolutely no compassion. The rulers, it says, stood by, blind to the fact that Christ had chosen to die for their sake. The soldiers were jeering at him, laughing at him, laughing at the sign that was nailed above his head, the one that stated that he was the king, fully unaware of the truth of the statement. This gruesome scene is recalled now at the end of the year to, as Pius XI said, to set the crowning glory upon the mysteries of the life of Christ already commemorated during the year. It gives us a chance to recall all that we have celebrated since the beginning of last year's Advent until now. The awaiting of the arrival of Christ at Christmas, preparing for uh, the arrival of Good Friday during Lent, then there's Good Friday, and then there's Holy Week with resurrection, and then all of the mysteries we remember through the various feasts of the year. It's all summed up as Christ hangs on the cross. This reminds us that Christ is ruler over everything. Over everything. But our readings today do remind us, I think, of three areas in which he is especially our king. And those are our politics, our religion, and our humanity. Our first reading shows us Christ is king of our politics. Now, I know people like Politics and religion should never mix, but Christ, of course, transcends all of that, that division that we want to have. He is king of everything. In our first reading, we hear of how, to go back to the Old Testament, how the tribes of Israel anointed David as their king. Before that, if you remember, Saul had been king. But Saul did not rule in accord with God's will. He was a jealous and greedy man, and he failed to rule as a humble servant of Almighty God. Consequently, he wasn't blessed by God. His power began to fall apart. And after his death, a civil war broke out. And the lesson there, if our rulers don't rule in accord with God's will, things never go well. David was eventually chosen as the next king, and unlike Saul, he ruled as a representative of God not as someone who was hungry for power. And David has been seen as sort of an ideal king ever since. When Pius XI added this feast day to the church's calendar in 1925, he wrote that once men recognize, both in private and in public life, that Christ is king, society will at last receive the great blessings of real liberty well-ordered discipline, peace, and harmony. Like the good thief, David was a humble man. He made some mistakes, definitely, but he always returned to the Lord, aware that if he was going to be a successful leader, he would have to remember that even though he had great power as an earthly king, the Lord is the true king, and the Lord is the source of all authority that he might have on this earth. The same is true of our leaders today around the world. And in whatever way we ourselves 
find ourselves as serving as leaders, you know, maybe just in our homes or maybe in your place of work or maybe even in local or state government or whatever. We should always remember, as Pius XI put it, if rulers wish to preserve their authority, they will not neglect the public duty of reverence and obedience to the rule of Christ. One small little practical way to keep this in mind as we go about ruling the different aspects of our world is we should keep a crucifix around, you know, keep one on the wall of your home or maybe, if you can, in the place where you work. It's a great reminder of who is really in charge. Our second reading shows us, I think, how Christ is king of our religion. might seem obvious, but... Paul wrote this letter, this letter we read from, to address some confusion in the church of the Colossians. Someone had come to that church and they started teaching some goofy stuff about angels, about the power of the stars, and so on. Kind of like we have people today who religiously follow the horoscopes, uh, you know, suggesting there's some value in astrology, which there is not. Rather than try to figure out this stuff on their own, the Colossians wisely asked St. Paul to help them to understand if what they had been hearing from these teachers was true. And St. Paul told them that these teachings only distracted them from what is really important for salvation, the person and work of Christ. Because it's Christ, not the stars, not the angels, not any created thing who is the firstborn of all creation. And it's Christ into whose kingdom we have been admitted at our baptisms by forgiveness of our sins. The same is true for us. Christ is the source of our forgiveness and our salvation. This means if he really let him be king of how we worship, we should worship in the manner and He asks us to worship and seek forgiveness in the manner that he asks us to seek forgiveness, uh, mainly in the sacraments he gave us. Now, a lot of you have come to Mass. Wonderful. But not many of you follow God's guidance and seek confession. And you put your souls at risk by doing this, by avoiding that great gift Jesus wants to give you. So Christ is king of our religion. We should take his guidance, we should take his advice and not go off on our own. Finally, our gospel reading shows us, I think, how Christ is king, even of our fallen humanity. Now, crucified next to Jesus were, of course, these two criminals. One cried out to Jesus and tempted him to prove that he was the Christ by doing something miraculous, you know, coming down off the cross and saving them. The criminal appealed to Christ's mercy, but not to his justice, which, if you have a merciful but unjust God, he's lacking perfection in some way. The man had no sorrow for his sin. He didn't repent. He didn't take Christ seriously as a fair king and judge. It seems that almost nobody in that gruesome scene we read took him seriously, except for the humble criminal who was crucified on his other side. We call him sometimes the good thief. The good thief admits his guilt. He goes to confession, right? 
He admits his guilt. He repents. And he appeals both to Christ's mercy and to his justice. He admits fully. He doesn't deserve uh, to be saved, but he does repent. And he recognizes Christ as his king who has the authority to judge him. And when he asked Jesus to remember him when he came into his kingdom, we heard those beautiful words, Today you will be with me in paradise. Like David, like the Colossians, like all good Christians, the good thief accepted that he was a subject of the divine king, Jesus. And in the king's presence, he was completely honest. He was completely humble. And as such, he was rewarded with heaven. So Jesus Christ is the rightful king over everything, over everything. We don't want to kind of box him in on Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning and then live the rest of our lives as if he were not king of it all. He claims his throne as king both by birth. He is the son of God. He is the one who created everything that is. He also claims his throne as king by his conquest of our sins on the cross. And this conquest includes his reign over everything, as I say, over our politics, over our religion, over all aspects of our fallen humanity. We just need to remember always that Christ reigns 